All right, church family, let's get in God's word together this morning. We're going to be in uh, Psalm 11. Uh, we are continuing our series in all of uh, book one of the Psalms, which is Psalm 1 through 41. So turn there to Psalm 11 in your Bibles. Uh, our title today is The Lord is My Refuge. The Lord is My Refuge from Psalm 11. And as we get started today, I just want to talk about real quickly what the word refuge means. I don't think this is a a difficult or new subject to any of us. So just in short, a, a refuge is cover, right? It's cover for you, it's cover for us, and a refuge is a place of safety, and a refuge is a person of peace. And so I want you to think about those, those two dynamics, a place of safety, meaning like in the Lord, and then a person of peace, meaning the Lord, and, and maybe it's Christmas time, you're thinking, Prince of Peace, right? So who the Lord is and having him as your refuge. So that's by all means where we're headed today as we consider the Lord is my refuge. And there's ample reason for us to have a refuge. There's ample reason for you to have your refuge figured out. Just think about this for a minute. Something crazy happens or uh, something's going on in your life that's really difficult and you're just making up your refuge in that moment. You're literally most likely to just pick the thing that seems the most stable or the most feel good for you in that moment because you're facing something hard and you're like this and you just pick it. But it could be a terrible refuge, right? Are y'all with me on that? So it's really good to predetermine who your refuge is because we know difficult things are going to happen and we know that we're going to need to go to the Lord for refuge. So by all means, we want the Lord to be our refuge. Uh, Let me just give a couple options um, uh, for uh, refuges that people choose. Number one, option one, is no refuge. Uh, So many people don't have one, they're just making it up. I kind of just illustrated that. It's like Kevin in Home Alone, where he realizes he's home alone, and he's just running around the house going, ah, right, right? You with me on that, right? You feel like that when you're going through something, and you don't know who to go to, what to do, and I think sometimes our inner monologue can sound like that if we're honest, right? You remember how it went? It was like, ah, right? Uh, Kevin, that's our face sometimes. All right, here's option two. Option two is bad refuge. You got a refuge, but you know it's unwise or it's bad, and I think of it like a flimsy fort, right? You got, like, you got like a fort that you've constructed, and, but it's made out of cardboard, and it's raining like it is right now, and it's wet, and it's soggy, and it doesn't really help you. And you get under it, and like three minutes after you're under it, you're like, this is terrible, right? I'm wet. I'm soggy. This isn't better. And so you realize, I, I need a stronger refuge than, than what we can build. We need good refuge. And then option three, of course, is the Lord. And he must be your refuge. We got to predetermine that the Lord is our refuge and that he will be our refuge as we go through things in our lives. So in Psalm, da- in, in Psalm 11, King David is being taunted by his enemies, verbally taunted by his enemies. They literally call King David, the king of Israel, the anointed one of Israel, they literally call him a little bird who needs to flee to the mountains. Think about that. King David, ruler of a nation, anointed by God himself to be the king. They're calling him a little weakling bird who needs to flee to the mountains because they, the enemies, are drawing their bows and ready to fire at David, who is this little bird. 
But David, because his refuge is the Lord, this is awesome. He silently mocks their taunt, right? Just, he's not like going back at them, like, come at me, bro, I'm coming back at you. It's not like, it's not like that. He's just silently mocking it because he knows better than what they say. His refuge is the Lord. He predetermined, God is my refuge. And so when those taunts came, he was ready. He understood they're ridiculous. It's like taunt. He's thinking ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Why? Because he knows the Lord and he knows who he is. So that's where we want to get today as we consider God's word. David is thinking to their taunts, yeah, right. He's like, God is my refuge, and I'm not caught up in your word snares. And so, so like, y'all, what do we do when people in your life come at you because of your faith? They come at you because you love Jesus. They come at you because of the way you work, and it's different, and it's more upstanding according to God's word than the way everyone else around you is working. What do you, what do, you do when a classmate's like, can't believe you believe that, or a, or a, or a, um, a teammate? What do you do when you're taunted? What do you do when people gang up against you? What do you do when you face what the world says about Jesus? What do you do when, when the world is coming at you about your faith? Um, psalm 11 is a baller psalm. And, and here's what I mean. Um, I think when we, when we are taunted, there's this surge within us like, I am going to get them, or there's a surge within us to run and hide. Y'all with me on that? It's like two options. And Psalm 11 is David knowing he is with the Lord. David is his, or God is his refuge. And so I think sometimes we think um, when we're facing taunts, we got to win that taunt. We got to beat the moment as if we're going to play for ourselves the song like we are the champions or something, right? Like I, I just beat the taunt and, and, I, and I am the champion. We are the champions. Like we want it, us Christians. But in, instead, David is thinking, no, God is the champion. He was the champion. He is the champion. He always, wi- he always will be the champion. And that is what is in his head as he's going through these taunts. So before we get into the the passage this morning, I want to just very quickly give a recap of where we've been in the Psalms so far, all right? Where we've been in the Psalms so far. So um, it's on one slide, so just look at it, and I want to bring us up to speed, okay? So Psalm 1 is this kind of big idea, blessed are you who abide in God's word. That's Psalm 1, blessed are you who abide in God's word. Then Psalm 2, blessed are you who abide in God's son. And we know, from the, we know from early on in the Psalms that Psalm 1 and 2 are setting up the entire Psalter. Psalter means all of the 150 Psalms. So we get from the intro of Psalm 1 and Psalm 2, this big idea about the Psalms, blessed are you when you abide in Jesus with God's word. All right, so, so as we read the Psalms, we're thinking, all right, that's the big idea of the Psalms. That's kind of how we interpret it. So, so we go through it, and then here's Psalm 3 through 9. That's David, David's abiding prayers during Absalom's revolt. Absalom was David's son, so he's praying. Like, how do you pray when terribly difficult things are happening? That's Psalms 3 through 9, terribly personal things. And then Psalm 10 through 14 is David's abiding prayers as people rebel against God and his word. All right, so here we have Psalm 10. We looked at this last week. Lord, move against wickedness. And then Psalm 11 is what we're at today. So the Lord is my refuge. So here's the big idea today for Psalm 
11. All right, big idea is this. The Lord is our refuge in times of taunting. The Lord is our refuge in times of taunting. And so I want to ask you today, is that true of you? Like, did you come in here today knowing who your refuge is and knowing that your refuge is the Lord? And I want you to be honest. Like, if, if it's not the Lord, and if, if you're just being really honest with yourself, like, I think my refuge is, and, and you're filling in the blank with something other than the Lord, I, I want Psalm 11 to minister to you today so that you would replace whatever that fill-in-the-blank is for you with the Lord and, and understand the significance of that in your life because he, he will hold up. He will be a refuge for you that, that is worthy, and we'll see that in this psalm today. So what taunts do you face? What taunts do you face? I mean, you think about taunts, and you think about word snares that people are, are throwing at you or, or fear-mongering, whatever it is about, about the Lord. What, who is that? What are they saying? So maybe it's, maybe it's people in your family, maybe it's friends, um, maybe it's enemies. Uh, and then another type of taunt is the type of taunt that the evil one would throw at you called temptation. He's taunting you with like, you're not that, or God isn't that, right? Uh, another taunt is the doubts that you have. And so you're in your head, you're thinking like, man, I don't, I don't know about this, Lord. And, and so you're taunted about who he is, who you are, and, and doubts that are in your in your mind. So what are those taunts? And then think of those as we go through Psalm 11. So here we go. The superscript of Psalm 11, it says, to the choir master of David. So, so check this out. David writes out this inner monologue prayer that is Psalm 11. He writes it out so that the people of Israel could sing this song. Just think about singing a song about how you are taunted, but then how you trust the Lord during that taunt. That is a very helpful tune to have in your head. And so David goes through this. He wants other people to benefit from this. And so we get to benefit from it today as well. So here's the main thought, the first main thought from verses one through three, and then the second one, four through seven. The first one is this, the wicked will taunt the righteous. The wicked will taunt the righteous. There's no getting around this. We, if we are in Christ Jesus, if we're saved by grace through faith in him, we can know that we will be taunted by the wicked. So what we're about to read together is David's wicked enemies taunting him. It's, it's what they said. And there's four, there's four things that they're saying here. The first thing they're doing is they're belittling him. The second thing they're doing is they're threatening him. The third thing that they're doing is cutting sarcasm against him or about him. And then the fourth thing is slick suggestion. So look at verses one through three. And then we'll talk about what's going on. It says, it says, in the Lord, I take refuge. So just notice that right out of the gate, David knows who his refuge is, right? He knows who his refuge is. And so he's inner monologue replying to what other people are saying about him and against the Lord. So he's already got this set up. He's going into this moment knowing who his refuge is. It's what the Lord wants for us. So he says, in the Lord, I take refuge. How can you say of my soul, flee like a bird to your mountain? For behold, the wicked bend the bow. They have fitted their arrow to the string to shoot in the dark at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? So in my Bible, the, the verses 1b through 3 are in quotes, and that's what the taunt is that's coming at King David. So here's what's going on. It's the menacing that his ears are enduring. First, they're belittling David. They're literally calling him a weak little Tweety Bird. I just, that hurts. I don't care who you are. 
That hurts. And when you think this is King David, the anointed one of God, like God literally anointed him to be the king of Israel. He's the warrior king who, who fought, killed lions and bears with his bare hands. Like none of us have done that, right? And they're calling him a weak little Tweety Bird. Like, are you kidding me? And David's, David's receiving that. They're, they're trying to belittle him. They're trying to get in his head. Here's another thing they're trying. They're threatening him. So they're like, hey, we're drawing our bows. You need to run to the mountains because we're going to fire at you in the dark. We're coming for you, David. So they're threatening his life. Just seems like, man, this just keeps happening to King David. And then the third one is they sarcastically call David righteous. So David is righteous in the eyes of God. David is believed by faith in the promise. And so David is righteous, but they're like the righteous, right? It's like they're air quoting righteousness, saying like righteousness doesn't matter. Having a relationship with God doesn't matter. You're righteous. And so you got to flee and then the last one is they slickly suggest, save yourself lest we strike the shepherd and the sheep scatter. So here in, this, here in these verses, this word righteous, as David's hearing it, he just immediately translates that differently than what they're saying. He immediately establishes his heart in who he knows he is in the Lord. He establishes his heart in who God is. And so he understands that the righteous means those whom God has declared righteous by faith in Jesus Christ, those whom Jesus has forgiven their sins, those whom Jesus has given new life, those who are abiding in Jesus with God's word. And so immediately David's thinking, I hear them saying the righteous. I hear them air quoting me, but I'm not going to believe that word snare. Because I know God is righteous and I know he's made me righteous through my faith in his covenant promise of Jesus Christ. And so David immediately is discounting that. So as we read and we think about righteousness in the Bible, I think one of the immediate connotations that we have when we think of that from, a, from the way that word is used in a worldly sense is we think of like self-righteous. We think about people who are full of themselves and they're like strutting their stuff. We think maybe Pharisees or or um, Christians who act like they got it together rather than being like, man, I don't got it together, but Jesus has it together, right? So uh, self-righteousness is when you, you just like stamp yourself righteous. That's what self-stamping self yourself righteous, and that's self-righteousness. But rather, David understands that God is the righteous one. God is the one who makes him righteous. Additionally, David's honest about what we're going to face in this world. I think sometimes we consider like, man, I, I'm a Christian, God loves me, those things are true, and God's got me, that's true, but we can assume like, man, things aren't going to get hard, and things are going to get hard, and that's why God is our refuge. So, so think about some of the honest things that Jesus says in, in the New Testament. He says, they persecuted me, they will persecute you. He says in John 16, in this world you will receive tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So this reality that we're going to be taunted, that we're going to be persecuted, that reality is real. Sometimes we think the promises of, of God are only positive promises, but there's two promises in John 16, One of them is, in this world you will receive tribulation. That's a promise. And thank God that there's a second promise in that sentence, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So David isn't just immediately discounting his faith, like, man, things are hard, I'm being taunted, what's up, God, right? Instead, he's like, I knew I would be taunted. Of course I'd be taunted, so I got a plan. I know who my refuge is. I'm running right into the Lord. I knew I'd be taunted. I'm taking heart in 
him. So David's inner monologue is verses one through three. He's thinking, this is ridiculous. Um, you guys, when y'all think of inner monologue, what do you, what do you think about? Right, you might think of uh, mantras, right? That, that stuff's pretty popular right now, like a, a mantra that you would have or maybe say every morning. Um, maybe you're think, you think to yourself, like you're going into something like a hard meeting or a difficult situation or something you're a little nervous about. So about yourself, you're like, you got this, right? Like inside, you're like, you got this. You're going into the meeting. You're going into the presentation. You're going into the test. You're going out onto the field. Like, you got this. Or uh, maybe you're just quoting a movie, right? This is for you, Jeb. You're like, you can do it, right? You're, you're saying that to yourself. Or um, here's a, man, this is funny, Jeb, that this is the, where, where is Jeb? Where, where are you? It's funny that on the day you said that about membership, like I'm literally quoting movies. That's amazing. I guess it maybe does happen more than I think. All right. Uh, and then I think about old school Saturday Night Live, like when it was really, really funny way, way back in the day. That's not a, actually it is a comment about current. All right. So, so uh, they had this character called Stuart Smalley. Do y'all remember Stuart Smalley? And he had this mirror that he would sit in front of, like, nobody liked Stuart, and he's trying to talk himself into, like, personal self-esteem, right? It's honestly an amazing example of how this world cannot help you with that. You've got to get it from above, right? So he's sitting in front of the mirror, and he's like, I'm Stuart Smalley, and doggone it, people like me, right? Like, that's the line, like, doggone it, people like me, and he's seeing himself in the mirror as if he's seeing himself saying that to himself, and he's drawing his self-esteem from himself, saying something about himself. You're like, that doesn't work, Stuart, right? Like, that doesn't work. You've got to get it from the Lord. And so our inner monologue has got to be better than you got this, or you can do it, or doggone it, people like me, right? So what David's doing here is just like what he did in Psalm 3. He's administering to himself another true false test. They're saying these four things against him, and immediately right back at him, he's like, that's ridiculous. And how powerful is that? They're belittling him. That's ridiculous. They're threatening him. That's ridiculous. They're sarcastic. They're sarcastic about him being righteous. That's ridiculous. They slickly suggest you got to save yourself. And he's like, that's ridiculous. So for him to have that immediate knee-jerk response means that he knows who he is and he knows who the Lord is. That's something powerful that all of us have to have. In Psalm 2, which is all about Jesus, Psalm 2, verse 12, God the Father tells the rebels to take refuge in Jesus or judgment will come. What's really interesting here in Psalm 11, not too far from Psalm 2, is King David is doing that very thing, but he's not a rebel. He's taking, he's taking refuge in Jesus as someone who's righteous, and he's simultaneously thinking that it's the wicked who need refuge. So David, in this moment, isn't just thinking, like, how am I going to get them back? They threw something at me. What am I going to throw back at them? He's thinking, that's ridiculous what they're saying. He's also thinking they need refuge. I got refuge. I want refuge for them. And that's powerful as Christian people. Like, we're not in this to fight. We're in this to share the good news of Jesus with other people so that other people can know the Lord as well, right? We know the Lord, and we want other people to know him. So, so let, me, let me share with you just a, a few thoughts about how the wicked taunt us. And this is us. Like, this is us as Christian people in this world. This isn't the, the particular taunting that you receive or that you feel or that you hear personally or the, the doubts that are in your head. That, you know that. You got to take that to the Lord 
yourself. I can't get into your head, but the Lord's already there, so let him minister to you about that. Here's some things about us as Christians, all right? How do the wicked taunt us? Um, They say big picture things that are false, like there is no God. Or if they know that you believe there's a God and they can't get you with that, they'll try this. The spirit of the age is stronger than God. Right, you feel that? I think that is a loud and clear taunt that's coming at all of us as Christian people these days. The spirit of the age is stronger than God. So the next step is, therefore, flee like a little bird and be scared. Y'all feel that? How it, like Psalm 11 maps onto our day. We feel that as a people. We feel that individually. And then the third one is, therefore, stop chirping and singing about Jesus. Trying to silence us about the Lord trying to even silence our inner monologue, trying to get in our heads. So then what do we do? We do two things. First, you establish your heart in the Lord. And we saw this last week. It's one of the main things the Lord does for us. You're going through something hard. He will establish your heart. He will strengthen your heart in him. He may not pull you out of the situation. That's sometimes one of the only prayers we pray. We gotta also pray, Lord, please deliver us from this. But if you wouldn't deliver us from it, would you please establish my heart so that I can endure it well for your glory and the gospel good of others while I'm going through it. You establish your heart in the Lord. Y'all hear this. Like if you are in Christ, if you're a Christian, you are not a little bird. And David knew that. David knew that about himself. You are a blood-bought believer in Jesus Christ. God loves you. He sent Jesus for you. You believed in him. The God of the universe loves you and saved you. You are not a little bird. You're a human who is headed to heaven. You're a human indwelled by the Spirit of God. You're a human who's an ambassador for Jesus in this world. You are strong in the Lord. So establish your heart in those things as you're taunted. And you hear those things from the Lord. You're like, that's his voice to me. That is awesome. And then you hear these taunts. They're loud until you let the Lord be louder. And you're like, it makes those little taunts seem tiny. That's a powerful thing to experience. That's when you know you're really taking refuge in him is when those taunts feel tiny. They still hurt. They still get under their skin. They're menacing. But they're easier to handle because we're listening to the Lord. The second thing we do is we shine that light into the world. The world needs to see and hear the light of Jesus Christ. So don't cover your light. As you're going through these taunts, people are going to look and be like, how is she handling that so well? How is he handling that so well? And they're like, man, I think they know the Lord. There's something bigger and stronger in that person's life than the taunts that they're receiving. So don't muzzle the good news about Jesus in your life, okay? So big idea today is The Lord is our refuge in times of taunting. The first thing we see is the wicked will taunt the righteous. And here's the second thing we see. The righteous will trust the Lord. The righteous trust the Lord. So we gotta know the wicked are gonna taunt us. We gotta know what we're gonna do. We gotta understand who God is, who we are during that taunting. And then we recognize the righteous trust the Lord from verses four through seven. Why do we trust the Lord? Here's four things that we the righteous can trust about the Lord during taunting. The first one is this. The first one is that God has not left the building, right? God has not left the building. Often when we're taunted, we're like, Lord, they're so loud and it doesn't seem like you're silencing them. Where are you? And so the first thing that we see from verse four is this. The Lord is in his holy temple. 
The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes see, his eyelids test the children of man. God has not left the building. That phrase, the Lord has, is in his holy temple, is an assurance of accountability phrase. If you're reading the, the uh, Bible reading plan with the church, we finished Isaiah recently. I was, I was actually pretty behind, so I caught up a couple days ago. The last chapter of, of Hosea is, uh, there's a line in there that says, the Lord is in his holy temple. And, and that line is embedded right in the midst of accountability for the nations. This is an accountability line. The Lord is in his temple. So David's thinking, we can think, you know what? It seems like the, the wicked aren't being judged, but they will be. The Lord is in his holy temple, all right? He's in office. He sees it all. He's in charge, right? Uh, how many of y'all have ever seen the movie uh, Monsters, Inc. or Monster University? Monsters University, all right? Uh, I love those movies, and they're really entertaining to me and, and our family. And uh, do y'all remember the crotchety lady, the, the boss? Her name is Roz. Um, yeah, this is what she looks like, Roz. Um, she is crotchety boss lady. And so um, very funny. One of the things that um, I really appreciate about my family is how wonderfully entertaining they are. And so my daughter, Evie, uh, likes to impersonate Roz. And um, she says, and she does this way better than me, but she's like, I'm always watching, <laughs> right? right? The Lord is in his holy temple, right? I'm always watching. And so uh, Evie is here today. So Evie, you want to come up and just do that for us? All right. All right. This is Evie. You have gum in your mouth? Okay, just don't spit it onto the, onto the thing. Okay, here we go. Ready? Oh, you want the microphone. Okay, ready? Whenever you're ready. <laughs> I'm always watching. It's <laughs> great. Evie, no joke. She will, she will come up to me. If I'm being silly or teasing her, she'll be like, I'm always watching, right? Sweet, sweet girl. And so um, I, think sometimes we, I think sometimes we read verses like this and we think his eyes see, his eyelids test the children of man and we have this, like he's watching me, right? But the, the interpretation of this verse is that he knows exactly what the wicked are doing. He is watching. He will hold them to account. The Lord is watching, but the Lord isn't a, a crotchety boss, right? He is holy and he's just. He is in office. He is seeing it all. He is in charge. He has not left the building. And that is important for us to know when we're being taunted. Here's the second thing we can trust about the Lord. It's that God tests us, but hates the wicked. God tests us, but hates the wicked. Look at verse 5. It says, the Lord tests the righteous, but his soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. God tests us, but he hates the wicked. Uh, in college, Tim, Tim Horton and I were uh, buddies in college. We were roommates for just a little bit, and that was the beginning of a beautiful friendship. <laughs> Thankful for you, Timmy. Love you so much, buddy. And uh, uh, Tim is a very godly man, uh, loves the Lord, loves to study, loves to read, loves to grow in his faith. And I remember Tim was learning about how God tests us and how Satan tempts us and that distinction. So we're driving around one time, like coming back from campus at NC State, going to our apartment, and he's telling me about this, and I'm learning from him. It's fantastic. And I, I remember the road we were on. That's how formative 
of a conversation was for me. And so Tim was sharing how knowing the difference, knowing that, that God is testing us, so the same situation you're facing, God will use that situation to test you and establish your heart in him and to strengthen you. But that same exact situation, the evil one is trying to tempt you and pull you away from God. God's trying to pull you toward him, a test. The evil one's trying to pull you away from him, a temptation. And when, when Tim was recognizing that, I'm, I'm like, man, that, that is very, very helpful. Because when we think about, man, this is, a, this is difficult, or this taunt is difficult, or this situation is troubling, and you realize, like, Lord, how can I glorify you through this? How are you wanting to grow me and establish my heart during this time? It's a whole lot more motivating when we think about it like that to abide in the Lord than thinking like, I am under it, I'm, this is terrible, I'm so tempted, and, and you just let the, Lord, the evil one pull you away. So having, having that thought in our head is very helpful. God tests us, but he hates the wicked. We see that right here loud and clear in verse five. Here's the, here's the one from verse six, the, the third one. God will judge the wicked. God will judge the wicked. It's one of the hardest things we face as we're being taunted, as we're being tempted. You're just like, man, it seems like the, the wicked are doing great. The wicked are prospering. It seems like the righteous are the ones that are suffering. And Lord, what's up with that? It doesn't balance out. And then we just zoom out. We get so tunnel vision, like, okay, big picture, Lord. You have a plan. You've been very specific in your word. And here's verse six. It says, let him rain coals on the wicked. Fire and sulfur in a scorching wind shall be the portion of their cup. Y'all, these are very, very strong words. Like, it doesn't get any stronger than this about judgment. Some people are like, there's no judgment in the scripture. I'm like, you gotta read, you gotta read the Bible, man. Um, literally, these verses mean fire and brimstone. That's a literal translation of these verses. Um, you, can't, you can't read verse six and think, this is a slap on the wrist from the God of the universe. This, instead, is utter annihilation. These words intentionally echo Sodom and Gomorrah, who were judged for their prideful lives that denied God and for their hallelujah-ing uh, of fulfilling wicked desires of their flesh, right? God will judge the wicked. That's something we gotta remember as we're going through difficult things in this world. And then here's the fourth one, and I love how God does this. It's like, verse six is heavy, and then verse seven, it's like, all right, summary. Thank you, Lord. Verse seven, the fourth reason to trust the Lord while we're being taunted is that God is worthy of our trust. God is worthy of our trust. Verse seven says, for the Lord is righteous. He loves righteous deeds. The upright shall behold his face. So sometimes you're going through it, right? We, we talked about this the entire sermon today. You're going through it. You're like, Lord, I'm, are, are you righteous? Like this stuff is hard. It continues to be hard. I continue to get these taunts. And then you see verse seven, David is saying to himself, the Lord is righteous, right? I know what his character is. He is worthy of my trust. And then he's thinking, God loves righteous deeds. So stick with the righteous deeds in the place where there are few of them. Stick with the righteous deeds deeds. And so he's building up his endurance as he's considering this in the Lord. And then he says, the upright shall behold his face. And what an amazing final line. The upright shall behold his face. One day you're going to see the Lord face to face. 
you're going through difficult stuff right now and it's hard and then one day you're gonna see God face to face. You're gonna see the Lord Jesus face to face. And so David, in the midst of this very difficult time where he's being taunted, this guy not only zooms out to who the Lord is, he zooms way future for him when he would meet the Lord as the Lord decides it was time to take him home. He is, that's his inner monologue. He's thinking big picture who God is, who he is, and then long term, he's gonna see God's face. You realize how powerful that is when you're being taunted? Y'all, when I'm being taunted, it's all I can think about. Like, I, it's so funny. I wanna memorize like a chapter of the Bible, right? But then if someone taunts me, I and instantly, I have word for word and how they said it memorized. Isn't that crazy? I think all of us are like that. You just remember, you know exactly how they said it, you know exactly when they said it, you know, line by line, intonation, all of that. It gets in our heads. But here's King David, and he's like, you know what? In the Lord, I take refuge. So how can you say to me this stuff? That's why this is a baller song. He's like, you can't, I mean, how can you even say that to me? You know I love God. You know I know who God is. How can you bring that to me? How can you even think that that would ruffle my feathers? And I didn't mean to put that pun in there about the bird thing, right? (laughs) But as I was saying it, I'm like, hold up context, right? So we started by uh, asking the question, what taunts do you face? So what are they? What taunts do you face? From other people, from yourself, from the evil one. And then remember, a refuge, it's a simple concept. A refuge is cover. It's a place of safety. It's a person of peace. And particularly, it's the Prince of Peace. But we don't want to just come up beside a refuge. We don't want to just come up beside a person of peace. We want to actually be in our refuge. And uh, throughout the scriptures, there's, there's phrases like the, the one who is seeking refuge runs into him and is safe. It's not just runs to him, but into him. That's exactly what King David is doing in Psalm 11. He's running into the Lord. Lord, this is who you are. This is who you've made me to be, and therefore, I can put all of that in its place. Is it under my skin? Yes. Is it ringing in my ears? Yes. But is it defining my life? No. Is it controlling me? No, because my refuge is in you. Y'all, I wonder if, um, I wonder if Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, was riffing on Psalm 11 a little bit. So in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, Jesus is talking about the birds of the air, Right? Y'all know this passage, it's the anxiety passage. Like, how can you not know the anxiety passage? Um, that's such a helpful passage. And uh, Jesus is talking to multitudes, and he's like, consider the birds, consider the birds of the air. They neither toil nor spin, but God's prov- God provides for them exactly what they need for every day. So if God is caring for them, how much more will he care for you? Meaning, you're a human being created in the image of God, and your people who love him, so how much more will he care for you than the little, than the little birds who he's also caring for? And so I want, us to, I want us to feel that. When you're taunted, when you're tempted, when you're doubting, you are not a little bird. You are a recreated human being whose refuge is not a thicket, but the Lord himself. So as, as we're considering, man, who's my refuge? Is it a thing in this world? Is it a person in this world? Is it some thought pattern in this world? Or is it the Lord? I pray that it's the Lord for you. 
And I pray that if you came in today and you're like, my refuge is definitely not the Lord, I pray that you can leave today with your refuge being the Lord. If you're here and you're not saved, you don't know Jesus by faith, right? You're not forgiven your sins. You can even have your refuge in the Lord in that, right? All right? Outside of Jesus Christ, we are, we are destined for doom, but the Lord places us in him and in his grace through us confessing our sin before the Lord and believing on Jesus for salvation through what he's done for us on the cross. So if that's you, I pray you confess your sin and believe in the Lord as your refuge today. And I pray that all of us, as we're thinking about who God is and what he has done for us, that we would place our, ourselves in him for the refuge that we need during those times of taunt in our lives. So um, know who God is and know that he is righteous and know that you are righteous in him. And then knowing that, take the next step and place yourself in him as your refuge. All right, let's pray together. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your goodness to us in giving us your word and in giving us um, Jesus and that we can abide in Jesus with your word. And your word is so practical, God. Today we talked about being taunted and how Jesus, uh, how David felt that. Jesus, you certainly felt that way more than David did, way more than any of us will. So Lord, when we're taunted, we have a brother in you to follow and to bear your image in the way we handle ourselves during these things and the truth which we rehearse in our heads during those things. So I pray for each of us, God, that our refuge would be you. And I pray that each and every day we'd be building our devotional lives to know who you are and to know who we are so that as we face things, we can handle it. And God, a bold prayer would be, we want our devotional lives to be so strong so that we can handle even more and lean into even bigger things in this world, God, because we want other people to know you and we wanna be able to withstand big pressures in this world so that we can take on big things for your glory. God, not, not to us, but to you and for your name. And I thank you for the amazing people in this church, Jesus, that you're bringing, even adding to our number today as those who have joined by, as, as members. I thank you for these amazing people who love you, who love one another, who love others. And we pray, God, that we can be strong uh, with you as our refuge and be able to handle a lot in this world, including the taunts that are coming at us. Lord, we love you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name and by the power of your spirit.